They're checking cherubin pots strewn strategically along the daily. Charter boys are tying paternosters in preparation for the fray. Tinnies are being towed to target on the Arnhem Highway. Over in Gove, they're rigging up teasers for the big boys. There's an air of anxious optimism at harbourside boat ramps as launch time moves. And in the front bar of a top-end pub. So I'm stuck in the sandbar, right? I've been there for an hour. The esky's already empty. Smith! Hey, what's going on? More! Jesus, that the time. Quick, mate, let's go. Finish your beer. Get your bums in the boat and get on with it. G'day fishos and welcome aboard the Tinny on a week that sees us in the figurative shed or man cave staring up at the wall wistfully at the vestiges of our past, nodding vacantly. Yep, before the humidity rises anymore and the sweat starts to seep off, off and out of our multiple bodily clefts and crevices like condensation off a stubby, before all hell breaks loose and the inbox fills with picture upon picture of metery and horse and Goliath and Leviathan. Before we're left catatonic and twitching in the heat, staring at the wall again as if post-lobotomy. Before all that, we're taking the opportunity to look back on the dry season to some of the touchstone moments of the 2019 of 2019 so far. Worthy for good or ill of revisitation. G'day on this special reflective week to you, Andy. Hello, Tim. It is a reflective time, isn't it? It's time to enter sort of a brief but important reflective phase. Sort of a pre-jock rot, you know, pre-tropo frog noise, pre-ramp rage, pre-lightning break. Time when the mind sort of still retains a paucity or a scintilla of clarity. Only a scintilla. Only a scintilla. That's the theory anyway, Tim. It's all for the purpose of clarity, Tim. Clarity. Can you feel it? Can you feel the clarity, Fishos? Feel it! That's what happens when you're born in 1996. You don't know how to use a fishing rod. Since then, I haven't moved. I've wrapped myself in cotton wool, <laughs> and I'm too scared to do or go anywhere. Tales from the Tinny. Fishing, Andy, is an emotional exercise, is it not? It is. Absolutely. Where else can you see the fertile gamut of human passions on display? Those dizzying, ecstatic highs and the stinking, desperate lows. Naturally, sometimes, of course, it's all wrapped up in the one session. Uh, Hello, good day. My name is Don. Uh, I'm living in Karama for four years now, yeah. I just dropped my auntie to the airport to go back to the Philippines and my wife told me, ah, you can go fishing. Yeah, and then I said, yes, I can go fishing. Yeah, and then suddenly I went to Bayview, Bayview Lock, and then I'm clicking with, uh, within 30 minutes and I hook, hook up a barra. And then the, the barramundi, I just gonna, I just gonna drag him with the line like this. And then suddenly... Oh, I drop him and it's really frustrating because 
the only barramundi that I caught is only like 16 centimeter and that's maybe 90 and it's really frustrating that's why it's really sad to saw that fish let go it's really hurt for me so I decided to go to the Stoke Hill Worm and then I saw some people that throwing some cast net and they capturing some squid so I immediately uh, grab my jig start flicking every time I throw like only seconds I can catch some really good squid and then I overthrow the the people that throwing some net and then it's oh why are you the only one catching some squid and some some tourists came over and then they're very happy about that that because oh you're catching again why are you only catching that every time I throw it and they yes and they, they still clapping like that and then you're really good that frustration that that went into my feelings and I hook up that squid, it's really overwhelming. I, I'm really happy to go home, not really, oh, I didn't hook up. Because like, usually when I hook up like big, big barras and I didn't pull him in, I can't sleep, really. <laughs> I really can't sleep because if you hook up a really nice barra, you're gonna be happy as well. And your wife, you have a feed. And that squid, make me feel happy barbecue or calamari they really taste good and nice happy fishing everyone from melancholy to joyous that's the path we all seek <laughs> that was a happy man tell you what though as far as the pure highs go sometimes it's it's hard to go past the blood pumping intensity of dry season pelagic fishing on that score you you, you can't really get much higher than this Oh yes, yes I have waited my whole life for this. <laughs> oh, 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 yeah, <laughs> I love you. <laughs> Just to confirm, you, you did kiss that tuna, Andy. I, I did. I've never denied that. It was for more than a second, but less than four. It was more than a second? Yeah, but less than four. And that makes it okay. That sounds to me like you held the kiss with the tuna. 25 seconds of unadulterated fishing glee that you've just been forced to relive, Fishos. Very, very raw. But we've all some, some would suggest perhaps a little... A little too raw. Yeah, we've all felt it, though, haven't we, Tim? We've, we've all felt that sort of excitement and passion at some stage. I'm sure I wasn't the first person to get ridiculously giddy over a fish. No, true. Anyway, look, it really is the kind of enthusiasm you might expect when a fisher gets onto a new species, even. It's not just all about tuna, or establishes a PB. Yeah. And then proceeds to smash that PB. Now, Maria Adair's one who really demonstrated this par excellence. We've gone out early, you know, get the sunrise... Go out for a bit of tuna, see those bust-ups. Well, that bloody didn't happen. So we had to move on from the bust-ups as much as I love going for a bust-up. And we just went out, found some reef, and thought, let's do some mackie fishing. Nice and nice and close to home, not too far. Quick and easy. Let's get out early and get out and get, get some fishing coming again. Right, so you're actually targeting tuna. Oh, absolutely. I've caught one tuna in, I think, about the last year. They're a little prick tees. <laughs> Uh, I wanted tuna, but they weren't playing game again, so we had to move on. 
we thought we'd uh, you know just put out some jigs and yeah um there's sort of half an hour so not a lot not a lot going on and then all of a sudden it hit and it hit hard and like literally it just screamed the the reel screamed and it was brendan's and i was like oh god this is killing me it's always brendan's brendan's is always first anyway so he put in this great big 120 mackie and i was like damn it one nil and then it was my turn <laughs> Game on. That fish just took took it and ran. And it was the biggest run ever. And that, that reel, I thought I was going to get spooled. It was, it was running so hard. I was pumping. I was like, I'm not going to lose this fish. It's too good. Too good. And uh, I kept pumping and winding. And Brendan in the background, whinging in my ear. Oh, don't do this. Oh, keep it low. Keep it low. Don't let them, don't let them just take it away. I don't know. He was whinging. <laughs> You just blocked him out. I, I have to sometimes. Finally got this thing in and got close to the boat and I was like, oh, it's only a wiener. And then he was like, oh, don't know about that. And then I pulled it up and I got this beautiful over a metre, massive, lovely mackerel. It was amazing. We put it back in and yeah, it's gone again. Uh, we were just like, oh, no. So, we started, so I went straight for the rod again and second time round, even bigger and even better. So I just hit a PB and then I hit a new PB. It was amazing. And like, ah, it was the best feeling ever. Awesome. But it wasn't the end of your your milestones for that day. What happened next? Well, we thought we'd put a bit of bait out for the old, um, from use a bit of the mackerel. Why not? Cheeky bit of fresh mackerel. And we went for the jury. Now, I've been trying to catch a jury for a year. I even bought a jury rod recently to catch a jury. And then all of a sudden, boom. These, these little these little hits keep coming and I'm like they're not just nibbling that's a, that's a big hit and that was it done we had to jump on this rod <laughs> before I thought it was going to come out of the old uh, rod holder <laughs> pump 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 it was the hardest thing I'd ever had to feel ever and like me and Brennan have been practicing in the backyard from the boat he's like been practicing with me to try and pressure how much pressure he puts on the on the reel and I'm standing on the boat on the backyard trying to practice the feeling it, it is and he's like no you've got to do it like this so I've, I've been practicing for this for a while you've been practicing pumping and winding in the backyard yeah absolutely that is dedication oh wow, look he, he had to prep me for what a jury was going to really feel like and you know i hear about the jury stories and they'll bring you overboard well not this one and that was it done netted it was like 115 or something ridiculous and i've never caught a jury in my life it was amazing the best thing ever now, Brendan has actually um, let us know about one small indiscretion about this trip. Stoked as he was for your milestones, that was you forgetting to bring any beer or wine. What yeah. was the go there? Oh, I know. Gutted. Gutted. Uh, normally chuck, chuck in a cheeky beer or a cheeky wine, but um, we forgot it. But we got humbugged by some dudes because we had six boats around us at this time. We had six or seven boats not catching a single thing. So then one dude comes up can have your mucky frame for some bait and we're like all right then in exchange for a beer so we got a beer out of him we got a long neck <laughs> that was our victory beer <laughs> of course it's not all high-pitched squeals of delight and you bloody beauties sometimes fishing isn't a happy experience true and, true and, andy and i know that well oh we do and you probably do too fisher mm-hmm. there's nothing happy about it soul crushing not always is it the high fives and the thigh slapping. Sometimes you find the day just 
kind of simmers away. Your, your, your hopes, your dreams slowly reducing and those hopes just evaporating into the atmosphere in front of your very eyes. Brendan Harkness or Haggis, he knows that trauma. He knows it rather well. Arts Haggis from Bellamac. Uh, yeah, just recently entered in the Tebs comp on the weekend. Had a good plan down packed, a few good leads, a few hot spots uh, from some trusted local local mates. On the water at six o'clock, about high tide then, and we had a plan to just fish as much as we could, troll as much as we could, and until we get to the low when we really enjoy it. Mr. Vidoff here with lure change number number three, is it? Number three. Going for Old Faithful. Uh, yeah, just sitting on the tide, turning. Not much happening. We were trawling, we were flicking. Came across a school of a feeding frenzy of queenfish. Managed to get one of those and lose it at the boat and realised that was just a waste of time. Weren't really geared up for it. Uh, so we went to our trusted spot fair bit of action, quite clear water, beautiful day, and we um, we sighted a nice, it would have probably been a 90 plus barra, flicked the lure at it and she just disappeared into the into the depths of the water. We kept going into other creeks, spotted a few competitors. Lure change number 80. That's his singing, singing that all day and I've caught more fish than him. Landed the only fish, which was a poisonous ivy. It's fishing the bottom tide. Nothing really happening. Nothing on the sounder. Nothing on the bank. There's no fish in the harbour, Robbo. No fish in Darwin. Where's the fish in the harbour? missed the opportunity, the tide had already kind of started coming out, uh, we, we end up getting no bites, trawling through that low tide section and, and decided to um, carry on, just keep driving around. I thought maybe we'd get a bit lucky on the high tide bite window so we just kept going and we went right upstream. Um, turns out there's no fish upstream either. Me up, Haggis. Lure change number 27,000. Sun's gone down. It's waiting for the barra to come on. And me megarine to cook. <clears throat> Happy days. Didn't get any bites. Seen a few on the sounder. The sounder's a bit old and nasty, so you don't know if you're looking at a a sticker, a 10 foot shark, so um, yeah it was it was tough going middle arm, decided after that turn of the tide upstream that we'd try the next bite window on the on the moon rise, so we stuck at it, moon didn't come up till about 9 o'clock and by then we were out of beer and we were, we've had a long day and we were going to do the next tide turn at 2am 2, 2 but we thought stuff it, we'll just go home and, and have some sleep and rethink of our strategy and I guess you could say 15 hours. 
um, on the water at least, our spirit was pretty low. They say if you don't catch any fish you get a good sunset or a good chat in. Certainly there's a few good sunset photos and, um, and a fair bit of talking and we're just completely exhausted and you know, I guess you can see it deteriorate over the day. We started off pretty happy and, and cheerful and we're just kind of, there's probably no, no videos in the second day. Uh, we're lucky enough to pull in a pretty good fighting 40 centimetre barra up a creek so that's just kind of picked us up and dropped us down. Already, I'd suggest um, uh, just try and stick to your spot for that bite window because uh, we just couldn't decide where we were fishing and, and we kind of stuffed that up. Don't try new stuff on a comp and simple as that, just persistent. Well, persistence really worked for us but I'm guessing um, it works for everyone else. Yeah. Tales from the Tinny. Get a malarapia. We interrupt this scintillating retrospective to bring you something happening this weekend. G'day Tinny Church, David Chirivolo, CEO at the Amateur Fishermen's Association here. want to give you a heads up about National Gone Fishing Day this Sunday the 20th of October. It's the day where all Australians are encouraged to pick up a line and uh, hopefully have a bit of fun out there on the water. David, I know in years gone by you've had events down at Lake Bennett and whatnot. What's happening this Sunday? Well, this Sunday we're doing a pop-up down at Dinah Beach Boat Ramp, so come on down, say hello, have a yarn to the uh, Afant crew. Uh, we're also going to have some free swag to give away, so we've got some iced coffees and donuts, we've got some fish measuring stickers, including the uh, Tinny YYY fish measuring sticker, so uh, come on down and say good day. celebrate Gone Fishing Day the right way. How many donuts do you have? Whoa, that's a uh, that's a state secret. Now we've got about two hundred. That'd be three in my gullet straight up, mate. So you might need a few more there. Well, yeah, you got to wash it down with a nice coffee as well. So look, getting getting quick. That's all I can say. High tides around about eight thirty, and so we're going to be there from uh, seven thirty to ten. The other thing that we've got going on, because we want all Territorians to be able to be involved in National Gone Fishing Day, uh, is our big brag board photo comp. So kicking off on Sunday, we're asking people to go out, take a photo of the fun that you have when you're fishing, all the way up to the 17th of November. So starting on Sunday into the middle of November, send those photos to bragboard at afant.com.au. Go in the running to win some pretty sweet prizes. We've got rods, reels, lures, and for the kids, that exclusive opportunity to have one of those fishing mornings at Humpty Doo Barra Farm, which is just absolutely insane. And uh, we'll be putting that together uh, over the, the coming months. So, you know, get involved. Tales from the Tinny this week, fishos with Tim and Andy on a week of reflection and regrouping. Looking back at the dry before the build-up claims the last of our patience, our sanity and any semblance of good-naturedness. It's an emotional time. <laughs> and fishing is a, a, a wellspring of emotion, uh, as we've been discussing. It's also, however, the birthplace of sorts. It's a catalyst, if you will, for ideas and genius, for innovation and invention. They say that necessity is its mother. It's certainly true in this instance where a classic mechanical failure prompted a brilliant territory fix from Mick and Waddy. En route to Kakadu, Bucket Billabong, 
and we were probably 25 k's in and we heard something dragging just the, uh, along the trail or something was something didn't sound right and glenn's said oh we better pull up and have a look and i said no don't pull up and have a look if i know something's wrong the anxiety's going to kill me we'll just get there if we get there that's good and then we'll deal with it when we're there how do you feel that the owner of the boat had elected just to ignore the scraping noise potentially the the metal on metal and proceed with confidence until otherwise advised normally a really good policy yeah that's one of the main reasons i chose not to take my vessel out there that's for sure (laughs) (laughs) so what greeted you on arrival well, yeah, there was a fair old um, a bit of uh, walking going on with the trailer. I was sitting in the back um, having a couple of refreshing beverages and, and I looked back through and, and seemed to be walking a bit and I just thought, oh, well, that must be sort of how it tracks and it's a rough track as we all know. So, yeah, we got there and um, she was dragging her chin, that's for sure. All right, so you step out of the car and you walk across to this, what I'm assuming is going to be a disaster. Tell us what you saw. I'd forgotten about our troubles and just... <laughs> It fixed itself, hadn't it? You're still willfully blind at this point. You're still refusing to accept there could be something wrong. I I think I just forgot. I didn't care. I got out and just started kicking swags out of the boat. I was keen to start tying knots and get the boat in the water. Nothing wrong with the boat. It'll be right. Well, yeah, certainly we're still tracking. um, And we're still joined to the car, but only barely. In the boat trailer, it's got a little opinion pull out at the front. So it tips up. It tilts up like a tip tray trailer, I'd imagine. And... It's, it's hinge point had snapped. It had just, the steel had give way and just snapped. So it had sort of... Broken its own spine. Exactly. And it was, it's got a bit of a deep ripper going on. It was leaving a bit of a trail. Like the steel was digging into the dirt. Just, yeah. Five to ten kilometres. <laughs> <laughs> Ripping a tree line. So obviously this is where the test comes in of the inner genius. How did you resolve it? Well, we put the chops on the barbie and grabbed a beer and decided we'd figure it out in the morning. Long and the short of it is we lashed a tree to it and, and made it probably stronger than it ever was, I think. Now, this wasn't just a branch. You can see at ABC Tales in the tinny, the video. This was a full-blown top-to-bottom woolly butt. Yeah, yep. I uh, walked around the scrub for five minutes with a can and chainsaw and found the appropriate lumber and off she went. And that timber runs all the way along the spine of the boat? Yeah, to about the axle from... The, the front of it up near the drawbar there right back to about the axle and we just lash her on with half me anchor rope and 45 metres of Parramatta rope and job done. Not even a need for cable ties, gaffer tape or fencing wire? The three get out of jail carts? No, nah, they're for emergencies only I suppose. This was right. So I suppose the test of this genius fix is to say how did it travel on the way home? Did it hold up? Well, I, I think we've planned to leave it on there, haven't we, Mick? So, yeah, it, it's better than it was when it um, went south of the Barrama line there on the way out, that's for sure. Nothing wrong with it. It's fixed, yeah, done. 100 k's on the way out? Oh, probably dollar twenty. We checked it when we got to the end of the gravel road and just walked around outside, had a slash, kicked the tyres and checked the ropes and, no, nah, job's right. Dollar twenty down the highway. <laughs> Permanent fix. Bit of Parramatta rope. Fallen woolly butt, although there is an update to that story. I was popped in to see Waddy the other day. Oh, yeah. And Mick had just delivered the woolly butt trunk back because Waddy said, I want that. If you do actually ever properly repair this trailer, don't you get rid of that woolly butt. I worked my ass off to cut that down. That's a cracking good woolly butt. Oh. So it's been delivered, <laughs> hand delivered, back to Waddy's place, and he's preparing it for use as an upright on his uh, 800 square metre shed. That good a post. Never let a good woolly butt go. 
Yeah, so necessity is the mother of invention, Tim, but sometimes the necessity isn't just fixing a trailer or repairing a boat. Sometimes it's actually going a bit further than that. When, when Cyclone, what was it, Cyclone, what was Marcus? Marcus? When Cyclone Marcus came through, um, I wanted to put my car in the, in the garage um, rather than leaving it out on the street. And, we, and I told Jesse the half-built boat should go out on the street. And we, that's probably the biggest argument we've had in like the last five years. <laughs> and the half-built boat stayed in the garage. <laughs> Hi, I'm Jesse. Hi, I'm Izzy, Jesse's partner. And uh, this is the five-metre boat that I secretly built in our garage over two years. We're in the boat now. It's parked on the street. Um, I couldn't help but notice there's little bits of fiberglass strewn right down the street, sort of in the, you know, on the median strip and stuff. Take me right back to the start here and uh, tell me how this boat came to be. Well, uh, I said to my wife, Isabel, honey, let's get a boat. She said, no, they are far too expensive. We don't know how long we're going to stay here. You are not allowed to buy a boat. So I took that as... I need to build a boat. As you would. I figured if I start building the boat and keep it a secret for long enough, then when she finds out about it, she can't stop it. Started building this boat, told sort of a few friends about it who told a few friends. All our friends. All our friends. And uh, had a little Facebook group called, you know, Boat Building Updates. It had like 40 people in it. I'm really surprised no one uh, decided to tell Isabel. I'm pretty sure they just didn't want to be the target. About 40 people on this boat building update, and it took her 10 weeks to find out I was building a five-metre boat in our house. So I look at that as a bit of an achievement. Um, and then by the time she found out, she, she was just like, all right. Was there a time in that 10 weeks that you were a little bit sus? To be honest, no, because Jesse builds so much crap that it's. Um, I just kind of figured he was doing something. <laughs> A really good strategy. So if she comes into the garage and asks me any questions, it can be, what am I doing? What am I doing next? You know, how's the garden looking? Have you thought about dinner? Right? I just talk about things in the shed until she goes away. And then she stopped coming in and asking questions. It's a great system. I found out when I walked into the, our garage one night, which is where Jesse builds all of his things. I went in there and, and I was like, it was probably about like 11.30 at night. And I was like, mate, what are you even doing? And he's like, oh building a boat. <laughs> I was just glad it wasn't another table. Tell me a little bit about the boat. Planned and designed uh, properly by a marine architect, made out of sort of plywood shell, a laminate, and then the fiberglass is all structural. It's a, about a five metre, just under centre console uh, boat. It's got a bit of a casting deck. Uh, it's just, you know, fiberglass with some flow coat on the top. It only cost me about 13, 14 grand to build you know, a five metre centre console boat, which is pretty cool. We do have a, an ice box in the floor. That's just for, for beers. Uh, we've got a separate esky we can remove for fish, but we've got you know six beer holders on the gunnels because there's six rod holders and every rod holder needs a beer holder. There's no mistaking what's going to be happening on this boat, really. It is dual purpose, drinking and fishing. <laughs> The quantity of fiberglass that you would have had to have handled and it would have been, you know, your garage just would have been full of, 
that's probably the worst the worst bit of the whole process is is Jesse coming in coming into bed at like 11 o'clock at night covered in well even after having a shower covered in fiberglass and then just getting like all through our bed and all over me and then I wake up at three o'clock in the morning feeling like super uncomfortable uh and then all through the house as well I mean he he doesn't actually even cut up the fiberglass in the shed because he says it's too dirty he brings all the fiberglass inside cuts it up on the floor and then takes it back out once he's sure that it's nice and clean so I feel like I've spent the last two years cleaning up fiberglass from inside the house as well (laughs) you do it inside I had to wait till she wasn't home what part of the process do you never want to do ever again well as I was going through the process that changed so at the start I thought fiberglassing was the most terrible and then painting and mixing polyester resins and then I thought that was the worst part and it just kept getting worse and worse, you know, like sunk cost type thing. So each part was incrementally worse than, than the last part. Um, I wouldn't recommend anyone builds a boat unless they're really into pain and suffering. He's lying a lot as well. He's absolutely loved pretty much this whole part. It's the whole thing. <laughs> He's taken three months of long service leave from work just to work on this boat, so... If I really didn't like someone, I'd tell them to build a boat. (laughs) That's such crap, Jesse (laughs) Filler. And can you see a time when you're sitting in the sun, you know, on the water, it's a glass out, you've got a beer in your hand, that all the fibreglass in bed and in the dog and on the floor, that it was all worth it? Yeah, yeah. So hopefully, I mean, we're, we're going for launch this Sunday. So hopefully this Sunday we'll get to get to see how it how it all works out and um, hopefully the casting deck is just covered in pilchards and and, uh, and fish blood pretty soon hopefully that's the dream cutting the fiberglass inside <laughs> they got there though for the purposes of sterility and and cleanliness right. it's Unbelie- sort of oxymoronic I, yeah i just can't believe he got away with it for as long as he did we can only assume that his casting deck is now covered in pillies and fish blood. Dream fulfilled. Of course, if you're talking invention and ingenuity, the sort of no obstacles, only challenges approach, you'd have no need to look further than this little inspirational yarn. It was from a couple of months back. Lud from Canberra, territory regular, had a bike praying and was left paralysed, but his sons wouldn't let that stop him doing his fishing trips up here, which he loves so desperately. They bought this massive boat, called it the Can Do, which was a combination of Canberra and Humpty Doo, and modded it to buggery so he could just keep on fishing. How, how big a part did this play in your recovery? Well, at first I, I didn't think I'd ever be up here again, so I was resigned to that for oh, a few years. And even though Andrew got the boat and... Uh, started fitting it out I still had my doubts about it but I always longed to get back and since then I've been up here a few times to be quite frank each time I've felt quite a deal better I still get a little bit choked up at times thinking about you know particularly when Andrew's cleaning the boat down and uh, I think well I should be on my side with a scrubbing brush myself and a pot of water but nevertheless I still enjoy uh, the company of Doug and Shelley who's 
Hospitality has been beyond belief, to be quite honest. Talk me through some of the modifications. We've installed like a track system through the centre of the boat, which a, which a sliding 12-volt hoist system goes along, um, and that allows us to, to transfer Dad between his, his sort of shower commode and his, and his wheelchair, which he's in when he's on the boat, and, uh, and also a, a, like a hospital bed with adjustable headrest and footrest for him mm. when he gets in there. So once he's in there with his gear and his commode, his hoist wheelchair... Uh, with a couple of blokes and a heap of fishing gear and plenty of beers, yeah. there's not much room. <laughs> so um, we've got here, you can probably see here, this big ramp. Yes, yes. Um, so we get Dad in his wheelchair. Yep. Uh, we put the ramp up to the back of Dougie's Hilux ute. Uh, so Dad goes up the ramp onto the Hilux, and then we readjust the ramp to go from the back of the Hilux up to the back of the boat and Dad drives his wheelchair up onto the boat from there. So it's a bit of a process, and it attracts a few eyes when you're doing it in public, um, but it works. And some people out there with tinnies, you know, think that they have difficulty launching. <laughs> they, they, they think that they've got a complex yeah, operation. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We, uh, we just spent uh, two nights, three days roughly. Um, we launched at uh, Shady Camp, went down to the mouth and then ducked up to the Wildman for a couple of nights and then fished some of the reefs up around Pocox Beach. Mm. So. And Dad pretty much bagged out on snapper, so oh, we have a, a pretty good system where we, we use a rod holder that fixes the rod in place and we strap, because he can't use his fingers, so we, we, we tape one hand onto the rod and then he, he can kind of hook his, his hand around the reel. Around so the knob on the roof. Yeah, it's pretty tedious. Anything of size has got a fair chance of getting away. <laughs> but he did get more in than he let go. Well, that really was top-shelf territory ingenuity. It really was. That's um, probably one of the, the nicest groups of blokes I've ever interviewed. It's just a wonderful story. Remember they had that sticker of the wheelchair logo with the fishing rod in his hand? That said it all, didn't on it? On the back. It was uh, just brilliant. Mind you, not all ideas born out of uh, necessity like that one. Sometimes the opportunity just just arises. In that moment, you'd be an idiot to ignore the call. Opportunity just presented. The Territory Mud Carab, uh, a.k.a. T-Mud, he, he's not an idiot. When he sees an opportunity, he, he takes advantage. Well, it's been a while between drinks. It's been too long, T-Mud. I've got to confess, I've got to repent for my sins. What better way to do that, T-Mud, yeah. than executing a move that many a Territorian would have loved to have executed but never quite had the balls? You're talking about when it's glass 80 k's offshore and people saying you could almost ski behind the boat and you decide to chuck the wakeboard out and just give it a go anyway. How many times have we said as fishos, Andy, mm. oh, it's glass off, you could ski behind this? Yeah, and how many times have we actually done it? Zero times. Zero times. T-Mud, how many times have you done it? Oh, it was the first yesterday. I, was, I had a wakeboard in the boat still. We just got back from the Kimberleys and did a week down at uh, Kununurra there at Lake Argo, and we had the wakeboards and that all still on the boat from there, and I thought, 
tackle. I'm just going to give it a go. So we, yeah, chucked out and she was good. There was a little bit of tyson on the legs, even though it was glass, just that bit of a swell. <laughs> I, was, I only gave it a crack for about a solid five, two minutes, and I was cactus. I was done. <laughs> <laughs> so how, how far offshore were you? Uh, we ended up pushing about 80 k's offshore, yeah. And that's where you did the wakeboarding? Oh, somewhere between there and 60 k's. I'm not quite sure where it was. It was still a fair way from home, yeah. Still, though, man, the conditions must have been gorgeous to even to even jump in. Yeah, no, she was flat as a tack all day. The water was nice, too. It was getting a little bit warm in the middle of the day, so we just jumped in for a bit of a swim anyway and just had a bit of a flounder around. But probably the biggest risk would have, I reckon, there's a fair few... Uh, sea snakes out there at the moment, I'd say that's probably the realistically the only real risk is uh, bumping into one of them out there and I know they're pretty venomous but I don't think they're actually quite big enough. Like someone will definitely correct me because I'm waffling on now but yeah, something to do with how they bite you or something who, I'm not going to tangle from anyway. Yeah, who cares? You didn't get bitten. You wakeboarded out off Dundee because it was glass off and what that does is repent for your sins not having attended the Tinny Church in too long, T-Mud. Awesome. Can I get another sticker for that? I got a new um new esky and my sticker went walkabout on that one. Me uh, go fast red why 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 delight Yeah, we'll send we'll send you another sticker, but I've just checked the rule book and actually what what you've done there is you've bought some repenting credits. So you're actually in credit. Oh, he's in credit. He's in credit with there you it. Go. Nev- Nev- it's Nev- outstanding. Neville will come with two stickers, one for your wakeboard and one for your new esky. There we are. Now, yeah, you've been flat out fishing too, T-Mud. Um, how was the fishing on that trip, just uh, the wakeboarding trip? Yeah, no, it was good. We went out there and we um, got a heap of nanagai, so we sort of just got our bag on on nanagai out there. Sort of only really tune on the baits, and as soon as you got your bag on with that, we just mucked around on the gulps and jigs and... Um, we seem to get a few better quality fish on the jigs and the gulps and got a, nice, a couple of nice red emperor and um, goldies out there. Still, you get a fair few goldies out that way, but yeah, it was good. T-Mud, you are repented. There are two stickers on their way from Neville. And some repenting credit, which expires 31 December 2019. Legend. All right, boys, enjoy. Wakeboarding to the mark. Bravo, T-Mud, bravo. Gold. There was another yarn a while back that demonstrated the same kind of ethos too, Andy. Because if you're on the water but don't have a fishing rod, that's not really an obstacle for a true church member, for a true fisher, is it? Hey, how's it going? Brandon Peckham here, born and bred Darwin bloke. Yeah, I work on a pelt farm in Elizabeth Bay, just out of go. And uh, every now and then, smoker and lunch, the boys and I, we give it a crack at uh, trying to catch a GT with a lasso. Most days, just sitting out at Smoko, you just throw a bit of meat and shit out and GT starts swirling about and you get some uh, sleepy sharks come in and check out what's going on. Get a loop in the rope, chuck it in the water, throw some sausages in there and hopefully one comes swimming through and you just whack the uh, fish straight into the boat. Happen to be fortunate enough to get in the video of one, uh, first one to do it. Just sitting around bored, telling shitty stories amongst each other and old mates on his phone like playing a game and like, alright, that's it, we'll give it a crack. Sausage in, put a lasso in and this donker just decides to go straight through it, and yeah, 
caught him by the tail, hooked him in. Yeah! <laughs> Get him! <laughs> yeah! <laughs> That's how we got <laughs> Yeah! Ah, this is a bit of <laughs> right, bro. Yeah! <laughs> Good Felt like singing Hallelujah, eh? <laughs> he was like, oh no, who needs a rod? You just need a bit of sausage <laughs> and a bit of rope. The bosses get a little shitty if you take a rod down on the boat, so we just make do with what we've got, eh? <laughs> How long have you been doing this for? I started Pearl on in uh, January last year, so I've been trying to last a GT for a year. <laughs> This is the first one he captured on video, but like, how often are people successful? Get one like once a week. Someone comes back with a cool story of catching a GT. The uh, the reef sharks are easy. We get a reef shark nearly every day. We tried to lasso a sleepy shark one day, and we got the loop around him, and he almost jerked us into the water. So we let that one roll. So yeah, you get sleepy sharks, you get uh, reefies, you get GTs. Uh, uh, any other species? Yeah, every now and then we get a. Uh, Cobia hanging around, but uh, he's a bit too smart for the lasso. He doesn't come up high enough, and uh, the queenies are too quick. So yeah. So I imagine you need to be uh, the operator needs to be fairly uh, quick draw McGraw to cinch it up and to get it around its tail. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, you get some that are just like lazing around, just swimming around, minding their own business, and they don't have an idea. And then you get the ones that just like hit the food as quick as they can so they don't get caught because they know they're going to have a rope around them sooner or later. And with all things, sausage. Yeah, uh, anything really, eggs, sausages, whatever's in the smoko tin that we don't feel like eating, muffins, apples. <laughs> that GT in the video, how big did that end up going? Uh, we didn't actually measure it, but just feeling off the weight, I reckon he would have been pushing like 12 kilo or so away. I don't think I can actually imagine a better thing to do with your smoker. Yeah, uh, it, makes a, it makes a day much better, right? Eh? There's only so much sitting around just looking at the water you can do, eh? <laughs> it's been happening for years, eh? Hey? It's inculcated into the company culture that you will lasso fish on your smoker. Yeah, no, that's it. Yeah, we get heaps of backpackers come through and stuff, so... We show them how to lasso uh, sharks and stuff, and then everyone gets into it. But uh, they get into it like 100% for like a week and then get sick of it. They'll sit back and just do it every second smoker or something. But uh, The perks of working on a uh, purling boat. Uh, it's pretty awesome. We're running a bit low on on mullet baits. There were about 14 or 15 crocs. You could walk on the back of them from Charles Point to Melville Island. <laughs> Tales from the Tinny. But on this week of reflection on Tales from the Tinny with uh, Tim and Andy on ABC Radio Darwin, or you might be getting it up here via the pod, wherever you might be, it's not all about hilarity and hijinks. Uh, some of it's just about good fishing, thankfully. And in any given year, you just know blokes like Stewie Martin are going to have a couple of sessions generally accepted as absolute doozies. 
Headed to one of the big uh, major rivers in Kakadu with my good mate um, Daniel Harris. Parked up kind of as the sun was setting at one of the major feeder creeks. And uh, we had a couple of flicks, you know, a couple of beers and kind of set up our mozzie domes, you know, for the evening. Sleep came pretty easily and uh, I was awoken at some ungodly hour of the morning by a series of big boofs emanating from this feeder creek. Great alarm clock, isn't it? Oh, it was a, a good alarm clock, but they were slightly muffled by the din of several million mosquitoes um, hovering on the outside of my mozzie dome, determined to get inside and share some of my blood. You've got a conundrum now. It was a conundrum. I thought, oh no, listen, I'm not, I'm not going to put up with this, I'll, I'll just go back to sleep. The boofing escalated. Oh dear. <laughs> oh. Well, what can you do? Is it lots of boofs or lots of mozzies or both? Yeah, yeah. sacrifice your blood for those boofs. You yeah. would, Rock, yeah. wouldn't you? Yeah. I've done it, I've done it. You can have two pints as long as I get a good fish. <laughs> exactly. In the end, you know, the fish are in me, to, you know, took over from the logic. And uh, I unzipped this mozzie dome and seriously just hordes and hordes of these mozzies just ascended on me. I was spraying deep over me like a wild man, which I'm sure is carcinogenic, but at that point, you know, I was preferring that to a mosquito-borne disease. I'd, I'd taken my board shorts off and just hopped into my swag with just my boxes on, and I couldn't find them. And my mate Dan was sleeping on the hatch that had my clothes bag in there, so I was, I was actually in my boxer shorts. Fortunately, I had my fishing shirt on. Fumbled around and found my head torch and started looking around uh, for a rod. And uh, I spied Dan's brand new outfit that he'd actually bought the day before the trip, fully spooled up, looking shiny. But I couldn't believe it. It had my custom lure on it. That it was a too deadly lure that I'd spray painted black, but especially for a night session like this. He actually rummaged through my tackle box prior to us falling asleep found this custom lure and tied it onto his brand new outfit. In the dead of night, it <laughs> flogged your lure. <laughs> Typical Daniel Harris manoeuvre, but anyway, it soon came to bite him back in the butt. So I jumped up on the trance, and by now the buffing was like World War Three out there. Uh, first cast, one twitch on, 70, kind of wrestled it to the boat, found the boogers and the pliers, shook it off, flicked it back. Second cast, same thing again. Uh, third cast, this time I got a few cranks of the handle, really big boof, you know, big head shakes, instantly knew it was a big fish, she started peeling off back into the creek. Did you contemplate even for a millisecond waking Dan up so he could experience it with you? I mean, let's not be silly about this, you know, I chose once I'd hooked the metery to then wake Dan up and let him know that there was a good buffing session going on so that he could come out and net my fish, as any other gentleman I'm sure would do. You know, I slowly wrestled thing, this thing back to the boat the whole time, trying to coax Dan um, out of the mozzie dome amongst a kind of series of, um, you know, reasons why he shouldn't get out of his comfortable dome and assist me with this fish. Uh, he eventually shone the head torch through the dome at the barra and proclaim, mate, that's not a metery. <laughs> I said, Look, mate, it's a really good fish. Please get up and try and try and net this fish. So you had to beg. I had to beg. I was at, I was at begging point at that stage, Rocky. Yeah, I was pretty stuffed. I mean, that the current was pumping out really, really hard. There was no way I was actually going to get this fish to the boat and the boogers or a net, um, and and try and get it myself. There's also a massive, big resident black very cunning crop that lives right 
uh, at that creek as well. So, you know, getting down low, trying to wrestle a, a fish that had been splashing around for five minutes was also top of mind as well. So, so Dan netted, netted the fish um, pretty seamlessly, speared it back in, so she swam away really strongly. And um, what else do you do then at 3.30am but crack a couple of icy cold bevies, sit back and... Um, you had celebrate. to celebrate, you had yeah. to celebrate. But did Dan do any celebrating? He did, yeah. He enjoyed nicey cold frothy with me, despite the fact it was 3.30 in the morning. We were sure it was 10 o'clock somewhere. We popped back into the mozzie domes before the, the thermocells wore off and slept like babies. How big did it go? 103. At any point did you think... That was all just a dream. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was definitely a bit surreal. Um, we both had a bit of a sleep in in the morning. Uh, yeah, it was beautiful conditions. wasn't too warm. And uh, interestingly, we uh, went back there that night, set our alarms an hour before the tide turned, did everything. Hardly a buff. We were Johnny on the spot. Well, that's excellent, Stewie. But for most of us Darwin fishers, bread and butter means one place, not the remote destinations that that some are able to get to reasonably regularly, but the bread and butter of the bloody harbour. And it's been it's been <laughs> fresh. I shouldn't fr- say that. The harbour's great. It's the harbour's it's, awesome. It's, it's been fresh bread and beautiful butter this dry. It, it has. I, it has. I, would, I shouldn't talk it down. That's not uh, fair. I, I would say it's one of the best harbour seasons I can remember on record. You'd go that far. It has oh. been good, actually, hasn't it? Hmm. If there's one guy who has the harbour wrapped around his little finger, it's 2019 Tebs winner. Peter Cooper, he shared some of his strategy with the uh, Tinney Church not so long ago. It's all about just finding the right bite window on each spot and just moving from one to another. And what are some of the things that tell you it's the right bite window? I try and think of fishing Darwin Harbour, I'm chasing funnels where all the bait is funnelled into one specific area and generally that'll happen right as spots are running out of water so... Uh, quite a lot of the time you're fishing in less than a metre of water and sometimes even to the point where you're, you're sitting on the bottom. Be on your game sort of thing and know when to leave. That's the hard part about it. Every spot will be different. The good thing about the harbour is is that there is spots that you can fish on all low tides. Generally I find something around the one and a half metre lows what I would, if I had to pick a tide, would be that. Um, otherwise, yeah, you can, you can manage anything. Because there are kind of two strategies to harbour flats. One is as the tides in the juvenile mangroves and sight casting in that clearer water when yep. it's a bit higher. Yep. And the other is what you describe, which, which is as it's funnelling out through the drains. You, you prefer the latter by the sounds of things. I do a bit of both, but what I try and do is find that point where the water is just about to completely run out. And what you'll know that'll happen because the water will go from that clean to dirty. And I find the fish will bite when, as soon as that water turns to dirty. When it's clean, the fish will be very spooky and very, very hard to get near. Try and work out when that water's going to change from clean to dirty. Once you work out one spot, you can sort of apply the principle to the next spot. Just have a look at which flats are higher than the rest of them. You know, you can work from one to the next one. So you go from the highest one to the, the lowest one on the way down on the tide and then just do it all in reverse on the way back up. How important is it to actually physically see bait or the birds working the bait? Uh, it's very important in Darwin Harbour. If there's, if there's not bait there, the same as barra fishing anywhere, the fish will follow the bait. If you can find spooky bait, you can find the fish generally. It's, it's a good heads up on where they'll be. How long will you give one of those spots you described, like a nice looking drain or flat, you know the bait's there, before moving to the other flat as it gets to its prime 
position? Uh, basically, I'll stay there until it doesn't allow me to be there. When the tide drops too low, then I've got to get out, obviously. Uh, but it's a sort of a Russian roulette game where you're always playing against the tide, you know, and every now and then you will make that mistake and you'll end up high and dry. If you, once you get experienced at it, you know when to leave. When you've got enough spots figured out for that bite window, you, you just go from one to the other and sooner or later you're going to find them. If you can find that bait and the conditions looking right, well, then you're going to get fish. What are you targeting them with? Just mainly small, soft plastics. Um, because the water you're fishing so shallow, it's very hard to work hard-bodied lures and other things like that. Um, over the years, I just found a couple of plastics that work for me, and that's what I stick with. How are they weighted? Uh, generally, I just use a 6.0 beast hook. It's a bit of a weight underneath the bottom of it so that they sink level rather than nose first and about a quarter-ounce jig. So real light spin, though? No, I'm running 80-pound leaders and 30-pound braids, so, yeah. I haven't found that you require that real light line or anything like that because the areas I target are mainly dirty water. Timing's the biggest key, I find. It's just being in that exact spot at the exact right moment, and that only comes through time on the water. Well, that was good, Tim. That was good. It was good. Straight up, straight shooting, serious, proper fishing report. Well, I know. What happened? I don't know, but it's yarns like that that let us call this a fishing show from time to time. Occasionally they do build our credibility to have, a, to have an excellent, concise, to the point, strategic uh, rundown on fishing. Yeah, like a little sort of quarter zone injection of credibility. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what it was. <laughs> Thank to, you, to Peter. Keep, to keep us going another three months. <laughs> Thank you, Peter. But, you know, fish shows for every earnest dissection of technique and analysis of location and strategy and all of that, there's always a piss take waiting in the wings. Yes, there is. Enter stage Azza and the Palmerston Game Fishing Club's Catfish Classic. G'day guys, Aaron here. Uh, just a bit of a recap of what happened last weekend at the Catfish Classic. She went pretty well. We got 23 good-sized caddies caught uh, for the comp. Biggest at the moment is 84 from the score sheets that have come in. But, yeah, it's good to see that the catfish were in great form and great uh, size for the weekend. The caddies were in abundance. And some of them were fat and big, so I think the wet season has done its toll for these some of these beautiful fish. And you get that hook up, and you think, yes, we're on here, and you get that, you know, get that you know, anticipation, you know, for that few seconds. And then you see that silver... A silver jump, and you think, "Gosh, oh, barra! What have I done? I caught a barra, not a catfish." A few of the photos that have come in uh, with the, the bigger caddies, you know, flow trolling with big deep lures. A few of the lads are talking around the campfire. You know, they were sitting there saying, "You know, that croaking sound when that big slimy slob just hits the deck. Big wide shoulders. You know, the big fat head. You know, and that." Really nice muscular tail. Just gets you all excited, ready for the next runoff. Just while you're there on the water, it makes your life a living dream. <laughs> oh, I've just never had to talk so hard about a catfish before, that's all. <laughs> oh, I feel dirty already. Azza. Jeez, he hated doing that fundamentally against every fibre of his fishing body to talk down Barra as a sports fish and talk up catching caddies. A bit like asking a vego, I guess, to 
sell me a scotch fillet. No, no, mean it. Come on, mean it. Medium, sell to me medium how, rare. <laughs> how delicious is that scotch fillet? Convince me. Anyway, there's another yarn worthy of mentioning here uh, that doesn't necessarily fit into the category of emotional high or low, nor is it necessarily an example of uh, territory ingenuity. The purpose it does serve, however, is an important one. It's to remind you and I, the great ugly mass of ordinary fishers, that even the pros can succumb to the fierce and fickle mistress that is a shoal bay sandbar. Come in, Shane Campaign. Put a new sander set up on the front of my boat and I wanted to really test it out. And I wasn't going to put it in a system, like go to Manton Dam or somewhere where there's no fish. I actually wanted to go somewhere where I could see fish physically on the sounder. And Shoal Bay is perfect for that. So got up nice and early, got my mate Nick Boss. He took the day off work. So he's like, yeah, I'll get a day off work. And I was like, it's all right, man. We're just going to do like a little half day. You know, we'll put in at six. We'll be back by midday. Anyway, put in, just get in at Buffalo. I'm like, oh, I'm pushing it. So I gunned it there, got out just, went over to the rock, pulled up the rock and did one quick swoop around the rock literally just went around it didn't mark many fish and i was like mm, you know. i was like looked around because i grew up at shell bay i spent hundreds of hours in shell bay and i was like we'll go across the king creek have a quick scan there and then we'll pick out the two anyway started heading across it's only like 6 30 6 25 can just start to see um yeah and i knew it was shallow i knew it was going to be close I went for it. You've got to commit. You don't go half-hearted. If you're going to do this, I've always found commit because most of the time I can get over it if I do start to touch. But, um, yeah, nah, she failed. I did a, <laughs> a rooster-tailed mud for about 100 metres. I got pretty close to getting over it, but we parked perfectly on top of the sandbar, and that's where we sat. <laughs> he who hesitates is lost. Yes, um, but the problem is when I commit. When you commit, you're fully committed, and that's what when we, when we stopped... Nicolo's like, we'll get out and push. I'm like, nah, bro, we're not going anywhere. <laughs> if this boat stops, she's not, we've got two and a half tonne, we're not moving. And we got out, we, we tried though. I was like, we put the Minn Kota in, had it on flat out, and we give it a cup push. I think we moved her a foot. And then I was like, cup swear words. And, but it was a lovely day. It was overcast and cool. I think I was snoring for a few hours, Nico, I reckon, so I just lay down. But the problem was we had no beers, we had no sandbar emergency pack. Like, the boat was empty because we are just going for half a day. We were nibbling on prawn crackers all day. That's, that's what kept us through. It was that bad. Seven hours is a long time to eat just prawn crackers, man. Well, I ate my brekkie straight away. Nico had some tuna and prawn crackers, but he had a whole box of prawn crackers, so we just nailed through them all day. But the funny thing was I was in full reception and all my mates were at work and we got our own little Instagram chat thing, so... I thought I'd like liven up all their days and I sent the photos through and sure enough, you know, that made their day, ha, 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 and bloody chicken. And then he continued to put the photo through to you guys. So not the funnest thing to do, but it happens. And I'm pretty sure everyone's been in the same situation. Thanks for catching up, bro. No problem. Hope I entertained everybody. <laughs> and that you did, Shane Compain. Well done on taking such a public flogging so graciously too. I mean, to me, that's a sign of a champion, you know, a true, true leader. A true leader, indeed. Not that you follow the leader on that day onto a sandbar, but you you know what I'm saying. Fair it's, point. It, I know exactly. Look, I I'm on board. Point. Whatever you're banging on about, I'm on board. <laughs> because you, you, to, to be a a true and honourable member of the church, you need to own it. You do. And Shane was a leader, straight onto the sandbar, and owned it. So well done.
Well, that's about it from us for shows. We'll be back on board next week in the build-up proper and all those beautiful things it brings, the stinky armpits, the jock rot, all of that, losing your, your, your shit over stuff at boat ramps. And as far as surviving the build-up, well, our advice... I think you already know what it is. Well, to, to manage those various ills and challenges that you've just listed, mm. surely it's frothy waffle. Surely that with a frothy and a waffle with a good mate, you can, you can uh, adapt and overcome all those impending challenges of the builder. There remains a place in this world with just enough silence for your waffle to be heard. A land of determination and ambition. Where we get things done. We don't just dream of having a frothy. We bloody well do it. The earnest and the abstinent never came this far. Instead, it's home to people like us. Those inspired by the beauty and capacity of a well-packed esky and the silken tapestry of a skillfully crafted stream of conversational crap. In the Territory, being thirsty is nothing new. It's what we are. As we dive a hand into the icy depths retrieve our prize and prepare to take part in the meandering ebb and flow of slightly pissy discourse. It is then, my friends, that together we create Frothy Waffle. Correct answer, you Timothy can, Moore. You, you can get over Jock Rock. You can get over build-up losers. You can get over the mizzy, modgy, mizzy, modgy <laughs> infestations. All it takes is a calm, committed and strategic, well-planned, well-executed frothy and waffle with a good friend. <laughs> and thanks to our good friends at Tales from the Tinny, right across the church to Don the Squid Champion, Maria Adair, Brendan Harkness, or Haggis as he's better known, Mick and Waddy, the Bush Trailer Mechanics, Thanks also to Jesse, the secret boat builder. Praise be the king of fiberglass. Uh, to Andy and the boys from the MV Can Do. Cheerio down in Canberra and back in the Territory. Wakeboard, T-Mud, as always. The boys that decided to lasso fish instead of catch them. That was brilliant. Sensational. Love your work. Stewie Martin, Peter Cooper. As a Shane Compain, of course, thank you. The modicum of credibility you referred to earlier. Indeed. And thank you, Tim Moore, for everything you do for the tinny. No one ever says thanks oh, to you. Look, Andy, I, I, I wanna, thank on behalf you, of the church, you know. Thank, and, no, and thank you. And you. You. No, no. You more. No. <laughs> you more. Thanks also to whoever invented dumplings, because just like beer, Tim, they're very, very nice. Catch you next week, Fish And until then, get a stinky, jock rotted mullet right on up ya. Oh,